Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. Bible study is going, is entitled "Defending the Faith." We talked about it a little bit before, but you know our our main goal in Bible study. We always want to keep in mind that anytime we get together and we do Bible study, of course, is study the Bible. But what we're always doing is being trying to become more knowledgeable about Jesus. Right? He's the apple. Of, he's the one that we want to look to. He's the one that we want to glorify. He's the one that we want to lift up and magnify in everything to do. So that's our mission: is to make him more real in our lives and the lives of those we encounter. So when we study the Bible, we learn from the Bible, we apply the Bible to our lives, and we share the Bible, we share the Word with other people. So we uh, have that, that mission. It should be our mission to go forth and do and all those things. And how many of you know we all need, including me, Pastor Travis, every pastor, every leader, everybody, we all need more revelation and a deeper understanding and it should always be about Jesus. If we get up here and talk about anything else and it's not Jesus, then we're just uh, we're just kind of spitting in the wind. You know, it doesn't make any difference, right? Right. Flapping your guns. Defending the faith. It's a, it's a high calling that we have uh, for all believers. When Jesus uh, when Jesus left this earth, and y'all can go back and look at that, and we'll look at the scriptures here in just a little bit. But when Jesus left the earth and ascended to heaven, he left us two commands that we need to pay attention to. And all of it applies to every one of us. He said in Mark uh, 16, 15, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then Matthew 28, 20, he said, teach, this is uh, part of that scripture, but not the whole thing, but he said, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. See, we're all supposed to preach the gospel of Christ, of Jesus Christ. And we do that by our words, we do that by our actions, we do that by the things we say, the, the, uh, uh, our lifestyles, our attitudes. Every one of us do it. And, and so let's settle this one thing in here. Every one of us are preachers, every one of us are teachers. You know, just because you have somebody in a pulpit, your pulpit is where you live and the life that you're living in. You're all preachers and teachers to some degree or some level, whether you choose to be or not. We still do all these things when we, when we live life. Our lives should reflect the transforming good news of Jesus. Does your life reflect the, the transformed life in you? I mean, do people see Jesus in you when you walk into a place? I hope so. And, you know, that uh, when I say these two scriptures up there, going to all the world and then teaching them all, all things, one thing I want you all to get familiar with, if you haven't already done, uh, done this, is, and you may have, but uh, go to our AOL website and... There's a tab up there that says About Us. I don't know if y'all have ever done this or not, but go in there and About Us, and then it, it, there's one of the uh, categories down there that says What We Believe In. And you need to read that. It's a pa- two pages of stuff, or the 15 items. I printed it as two pages. But you need to read those things and see what we believe in. And that's what we're, this is what it's, this teaching, this defending the faith is going to be uh, uh, centered around a lot of those things that we believe in. But you, know, you need to know, how many of you, know, you need to know you know that you need to know what you believe in, right? And, I mean, you need to know with, it, uh, with confidence and with assurance, and you need to know exactly why you believe that and, and uh, why, you know, where it comes from. You may have heard the quote, uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words, right? You all have heard that. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, that's been attributed to uh, St. Francis of Assisi, a Catholic uh, monk of the Roman Catholic Church, 
But, uh, and it, it really, it, there's a little variation to that. But anyway, you've heard it said many times, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. The point being that our, our lives should be the reflection of the gospel. In other words, people should see the gospel message on us before they ever hear the words that we say, right? They should see us that we're different some way or another. Uh, we should be the gospel tree, bearing the fruit of the Spirit that lives within us. Uh, Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. These are the things that should be evident in our life. And, and pastors preach this many times on this. So uh, how many of you went to the uh, men's retreat back in last April or May, whenever it was? So we had a, a gentleman there by the name of uh, Shepherd, very good uh, uh, man, and, and he, his message and testimony was very strong and very stout and, and about him, how his life was transformed uh, uh, down the road, and eventually it led to him being able to lead his own father who had left him, abandoned him, didn't care for him or whatever like that, but it you know, led him to be able to be the one that led his own father to Jesus as a remarkable testimony. But a quote that he said, uh, I, I wrote down, and it always sticks with me, is, uh, was a, a message about how we are to live our lives. And, and it's just a short, you can remember this real easy. He said, you can't out-preach your life, Right? I mean, you can speak words all day long, but if your words, if your life is not lining up to your your words, then you can't out preach your life. The Bible says you will you will know them by your fruits. Jesus said this. He was talking, of course, about false prophets, uh, but but this applies to everybody. You will know them by their fruits. That's in Matthew seven sixteen. See, I, I and I believe we can all agree with that same premise that our lives should be on public display or a public display of God's transforming powers, <clears throat> but. Let me, get, let me just qualify that right before we go, as we go into this. But to teach and preach the good news about Jesus, which has been the command to us throughout the church age, still is, it can't be done entirely without words, right? I mean, you can live your life, and people will see that, and that's a good testimony. But sometimes, you know, you do have to use words. It can't be done entirely without words. See, the gospel message is an inherently verbal message, right? You've got to speak it. You got to be able to speak it, and teaching and preaching are inherently verbal behaviors. So we're going to be speaking uh, the word. We're going to have to speak the word sometimes when we do this. You know, Romans ten fourteen uh, says this: it says How can they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how can they believe in him of whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without a preacher? Somebody's got to speak the word into them. Colossians 4, uh, 5, and 6. Matter of fact, this is a, a, a passage that Pastor used this morning in the prayer time. Uh, I'm, I'm giving you some examples of, of places where we have to speak, where it's talking about speaking and, and talking and using your mouth. Uh, Colossians 4, verse 5 and 6 says, Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Y'all remember that this morning? It said, Let your speech, speech, that comes from the mouth. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you all ought to answer each one. See, that the, the words we speak and the answers we give, that's what people are going to hear with their ears. And, uh, and so we're going to use words. And then I want you to, uh, another scripture that we have is uh, 1 Peter 3, 15. Uh, this is going to be one of our anchor scriptures throughout this teaching on defending the faith. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense 
to everyone who answers you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. See, all of us have this responsibility and accountability to follow his commands. We all have this. And so that's what we're going to attempt to do in this Bible study is learn how we as believers and followers of Jesus Christ can increase our knowledge and understanding of the Christian faith. To help each one of us, no matter what the circumstances, no matter where we're at, no matter what situation we're in, no matter what kind of person we're talking to, we're not, we, we need to be able to defend what we believe and give answer to why we are Christians and why we believe what we believe. Would you all agree with that? We need to, don't we? I mean, we don't, we don't need to shirk, uh, shirk away from the responsibility that we have. We don't ever want to be called, I don't ever want to be labeled a nominal Christian. You know what that means, don't you? That means you're a Christian in name only and not in action, in deed, or words, right? None of us want to be a nominal Christian. I mean, there's lots of them out there. People say, well, my uncle, I mean, my dad and mom were Christian, so I guess I'm a Christian, you know. But if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, if they're not following after him, then they're nominal Christians. And they have no foundational understanding of what and why they believe what they believe, if they even believe anything. Christians' journey, journey on earth, earth will always become more knowledgeable, will always include becoming more knowledgeable in word and doctrine. Uh, Paul wrote to the young pastor Timothy at Ephesus. He said to uh, Timothy in, the, in 2 Timothy 2.15, he said, and you all remember this, you've heard this one before. He said, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, so remember, we've we got to be diligent. When you say diligent, it means to exert oneself. Diligent means to really study hard, to make every effort, to be zealous. That's, that word is uh, uh, spudazzo, I think, is the, way, the actual Greek word on there. It says strain every nerve. It, as Pastor Travis has said, make it, it, it should be a strain on you where your veins are popping out on your neck. You know, I mean, that's how much of a strain it should be. That's exactly the, the intent of what that word says. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker does not need to be ashamed. So that's what we're doing is we're trying to get into rightly dividing the word of truth tonight. And then he said in, in 1 Timothy 4.13, same, same uh, 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 pastor, I mean, uh, Paul speaking to Timothy, he says, till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. In other words, teaching. <clears throat> we need to be able to answer the questions or confront the errors that we may come across. Have you ever come across an error when you're out talking with somebody or, or something sounds funny or you've watched a preacher on TV or, or maybe you heard it on, I mean, a lot of them on TikTok or whatever. I mean, you know, it's like Pastor says all the time, you know, you can, you can watch all kinds of, you can get any kind of message you want on TikTok or any of these methods, but you need to be able to have the ears to hear and discern the right things, right? And so uh, we're going to have to confront errors that we might come across. You know, how many times have you, have you heard something and you know somewhere or another there's a, there's a compromised message coming out of that person's mouth because you've heard the truth spoke in the church where you are, but you've heard the compromise come from that person. That's where we need, that's why we do these kind of things. That's why we do Bible study, why we do deep Bible study is to be able to, to learn these things. Believe me, in the times we're living in now and are ahead of us, we will have many opportunities uh, to be able to do that, to preach and teach. Every day we have opportunities in front, front of us. We live in a fast-moving, uh, diverse culture and come in contact with many people on a daily basis. We even come in contact with people from California. You know, that's, that's, that's pretty serious right there when we see that. Or Louisiana, right? <laughs> or Houston. <laughs> They talk about some diverse people. Okay. Some may be from another country. Some may be from a different part of your own country. 
See, we have in, here in the good old USA, we have various diverse cultures. Southerners, Yankees, country folks, city folks, cowboys and versus the dudes, educated, not so educated, rich versus the poor, different colors of skin, different religions, different belief systems, and on and on. You know, even in your own family, and I, I know all of you can attest to this, even in your own family, you can have different cultural things happening there that's, that's pretty challenging for you. So we've been given this high calling to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to every man, woman, and child, no matter what the culture. This is a precious gift and at the same time a sacred duty entrusted only to those who believe. Paul wrote in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. See, this is that knowledge that we have. This treasure that we have is the knowledge of God in the face of Christ. When we know Christ, we have a, a deeper and more intimate knowledge of God. And as we go through this Defending the Faith study, we'll have a deeper and more intimate knowledge of the things that we believe in, why we believe in them, and why, why it makes a difference that we believe in them for that reason. So we have this knowledge of God as manifested in Jesus and His works, a great treasure entrusted to us weak humans so that we can be the instruments of, power, of the power of God. You know, how, how great is that? That God takes us, weak, weak, every one of us are weak, every one of us are sinners or have been sinners or, or you know, still prone to sin, and he uses us to take the gospel message to people. You know, he uses us. It's just like one lady said, we're, we're, we're the hands and feet, we're the eyes and ears, the, the mouth, the, the things, you know, this is the body of Christ. So it's almost like this is a paradox. How, how can that happen? But it does happen, and I believe that's God's plan for it to happen. And, our, our, you know, the thing about it is in Romans 1.16, uh, when we talk about the, the gospel, we're, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And as we go through this training and this teaching, and, and it's kind of training to tell us that we have a responsibility to rise to such occasions, and do all we must to defend and guard the purity of the faith. See, that's the whole point, the purity of the faith. That's why we have unity of the faith. That's why we, we, you know, we come into agreement to the things that we believe when those, those, that belief statement was made. Well, everybody got together and said, these are the things we believe, and this is, the, this is where we're going well, to stick to right here, uh, the purity of the faith. And then Jude 4 says, For certain men have crept in unnoticed long ago, were marked out for this condemnation, uh, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Crept in unnoticed. See, so many churches nowadays have, have, have pastors and, and leaders and people that have crept in and they slipped in under the, under the radar and all of a sudden now they're teaching a dis different gospel or now they're teaching a, a, a they're, they've turned the grace of our God into lewdness or like the uh, King James says, lasciviousness. Uh, and they're denying the only Lord God is our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know there, there are some denominations even that will say that they're not even sure if Jesus is really Lord or not? I mean, that, it, you know, it's hard to believe. But you read some of these things, and it's, it's, it's really um, uh, disturbing to say, how far have we gone in the Christian faith that we've allowed things like that to happen and to continue? Too far. I was reading a commentary on this particular line in, from Barnes' commentary, and it says, that, that, that lasciviousness or that uh, uh, turning the grace of our God into lewdness means abusing the doctrines of grace so as to give indulgence to corrupt and carnal propensities. In other words, they're, they're kind of like they want to bend the word around where they can get by with this or they can get by with that, and they do it for their own benefit and for maybe the people that they want to 
to uh, benefits, you know. So leading up to that, we come to this is the point where we're, we're at the, what we call Christian. We're doing Christian apologetics. That's served, served, that's what we that's what we say. We're not we're 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 given a reason for the hope and the faith that's within us. There are several reasons we need Christian apologetics, and we want to look at eight reasons right quick. We need to learn to defend the faith, to glorify God, to help Christians be anchored in the truth, and 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 give reasons for our faith to unbelievers. Sometimes we're going to find unbelievers, and they're going to wonder wonder what. Why are you so calm? Why are you so peaceful? Why are you so sure and confident? Why aren't you worried? Why aren't you, you know, jumping off the cliff with everybody else? Because you know the truth. It's biblical. It's good. It's called sharing the good news and being held accountable for the most precious gift and relationship that's been given to us by grace, through faith, by the loving Father. It should be our first and foremost stewardship responsibility. See, he, that's what he told us when he, when he ascended into heaven. He said, go preach and teach the word. Teach the things that we believe and, and to, all, to every creature. And it's the first and foremost reason. Though, so I want to get into these eight reasons. Of course, the first and foremost reason is that we're, we're commanded to defend the faith. So out of the eight reasons that we're, we're supposed to, to uh, uh, why we need uh, Christian apologetics, we, need to, we're, we do it because we're commanded. We go back to that same scripture, First uh, Peter 3.15. He says, Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Always be ready. The second reason is we need apologetics because it helps Christians know their faith. This is something that's sadly lacking amongst most believers. Most don't even know about their faith, let alone be able to describe the Trinity or the two natures of Christ or his physical resurrection or even to tell the difference between justification and sanctification. Apologetics helps us to define and defend what the truths of the gospel message are. And we'll get that's some of the things we're going to cover. Third, our apologetics is we do apologetics because it's an attempt to keep people out of hell. Do you want people to go to hell? No, you don't want people to go to hell. So we, we, we learn these things about Jesus, what he did, the plan of redemption that God has, and we're doing that. That's one of our main purposes, to keep people out of hell by, by informing them about the gospel and the truth of the gospel. God takes sin very seriously, and he will punish those who have rebelled against him and are not covered by the blood of Christ. That's just the way it is. It's judgment. They, they need to know about the blood of Christ. They need to know about the new covenant. And as Christians, we should be motivated to present the truth of salvation to everyone uh, about Jesus. We should not sit idly by and ignore the dilemma of the unbeliever. And how many of you know there's some of them out there that are just afraid to ask, and sometimes we need to be bold enough to break the crust and break through the ice or break the, break the, uh, be, do the icebreaker right there and, and, and sit them. Uh, we need to tell them that sin is real. Be bold. You know, you can't beat around the bush. You can't, you can't uh, sugarcoat it. Be, be, we need to tell them that sin is real because God's real and that breaking God's law has a consequence. And since we've all sinned, we not, cannot keep God's law perfectly. We all know that. We cannot undo the offense of an infinitely holy God because we're not infinite or holy. The only thing left for us is to fall into the judgment of God. But God has provided a way for us to escape that judgment. That's why God became man in Jesus. We'll study that. Uh, one of the two of the things we're going to study is about the deity of Jesus and the humanity of Jesus. He claimed to be God in John 8, in 858 and John 1030, if you want to write those down, John 858 and 1030, you can go back and read those. And, but Jesus bore our sins in his body on the cross. 
By trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of sins, we will be spared for the rightful, uh, spared from the rightful judgment of Christ upon the sinner. That's what keeps us from taking the, taking the hit. Jesus took the hit for us, every one of us. Salvation is not found in Buddhism. Salvation is not found in Islam. Salvation is not found in relativism or oneself or any cult. It's only found in Jesus and his blood. And so we need to defend God's word and truth and present the gospel to all people so they can escape the judgment to come. That's, that should be one of our biggest, that, that should be heartfelt to every one of us. Number four is we need apologetics to counter the bad image that Christianity has received in the media and the culture. How many of you know that Christianity has a, has a bad name anymore? I mean, people call us all kinds of things. If you're a Christian, that's, that's probably the, the worst thing, to be a white Christian male, right? I mean, that's the people that are, yeah, you can't do that. You know, but, you know, like I was talking to Richard earlier, you know, it's not a, like a racism is pro- propagating itself. It's the sin nature in man that keeps it going on and on and on, you know? I mean, it's not, I mean, once you have the sin nature taken care of, then it's taken care of. Uh, but we need to counter the bad image. Uh, televangelists, and, and this is the sad part, televangelists and scandals, uh, both sexually and monetarily, are a disgrace to Christianity. The Catholic Church is, has had their own scandals, you know, involving priests, and we keep seeing that on and on. And on top of that, the media now, is, and has been for quite some time, is biased against Christianity. They won't even let you speak out. Matter of fact, if you're on these these uh, uh, social media things, you say anything Christian, you get uh, cancel culture thrown on you, right? And they cancel you, or you're out of here. You know, they don't want you to say it if you don't if you say anything that sounds like Christian. And so we have that. So that's why we need to be ready and be able to share. And as a result of the bad press and scandals, there are many that believe. You know, when we see this bad press that we get and the scandals that are going on, there are many that in the world that believe that most churches, talking about Christianity, are manipulative and use guilt and shame tactic, tactics to get to their peace. So sometimes they just say, I'm not going to the church. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, they're right. We are a bunch of hypocrites. Every one of us are hypocrites. That's just part of the sin nature we got in us. You know, it's going to happen. But, you know, that's not a reason to stay out of church. Being a hypocrite is not going to keep us out of hell, is it? I mean, out of heaven. It's just if we continue in that. So anyway, number five, we need apologetics because there's a constant threat of apostasy in the visible Christian church, as we talked about in the in the uh, previous scriptures uh, above. But, uh, you know, there's there's churches like the Metropolitan Community Church, and I think it's up in the northeast. North, and it's, a, it's a new denomination, but I read about it. It's got like 222 uh, congregations across the country, but they openly advocate homosexuality in violation of Scripture. The Evangelical Lutheran Church is, has been at risk of apostasy for years by entertaining the idea, and they finally accepted, um, started voting to accept ordination of LGBTQ clergy and blessings on same-sex marriages. And then in 2013, they selected the first openly gay uh, priest. In 2015, they, they ordained their first transgender pastor. Some other articles that I read on some of this is, you know, the United Church of Christ set up a $500,000 scholarship fund for gay and lesbian seminarians Friday and 
uh, that Friday on this particular article and urged wider acceptance of homosexuals by other denominations. And then, of course, uh, here's another one. A Supreme Court of the United Methodist Church was asked to consider the denomination's ban on gay clergy. And as we have seen, and Pastor Travis brought us up to date here a while back, there was a, a church in this particular town that, that took a took themselves away from the mainstream Methodists because of those beliefs. You know, they're getting out of there. And thank God for those people that are ready to stand. So such examples demonstrate the incredible need for defending biblical truth within those churches that claim to be Christian. And then number six is uh, about our, we need apologetics because of the many false teachings out there. You know, we're, and we've, we probably need to do a class or a study on this sometime. You don't mind if I pull a chair out of my legs getting a little wonky here um, because many false teachings are out there it, 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 we, we were talking about cults we, how many of you know how a cult operates how many of you have ever been confronted by a cult to come to your house and and uh, and try to convert you like I mean you know the Mormons are well known for that Jehovah Witnesses and things like that and so uh, Mormonism teaches that God used to be a be a man on another world that he brought out his goddess wife with him to this world and that they produce spirit offspring that are born into human babies and that you have the potential of becoming a god of your own world that's what they when you get right down and you get into the deepest of what they believe yeah they got some pretty weird things but you know that's why we need to know that jesus is god that jesus was human i mean is human also in, in that respect, and, and those kind of things that we need to know about that. Uh, Jehovah, or what I was right when, we, when I said about becoming a God of your own world, I, was, I had a comment on here, but we all believe in the same God, right? No, I don't think so. You know, there's a, there's a, pastor, in, in a, there's a pastor in a very large church. I won't mention it or where it's from. But there's a pastor, a, a, a mainstream evangelical pastor, that has said from his own pulpit that, hey, we accept Mormons. We, we all, after all, we all believe in the same God. No, that not that's not true. Now, Jehovah Witnesses teach that there is no Trinity, that Jesus is Michael the Archangel, and there is no hell, and that only 144,000 people will go to heaven. Well, there's not 144,000 in here, but I'm planning on going. I don't know about y'all. So you know, there's there's you know there's a lot of things that we can uh, learn that would help us to be witnesses to um, to those um, people. I, give me a few more minutes, folks. I'm I'm winding down here. So anyway, atheism denies God's existence, openly attacks Christianity, and is gaining ground in public schools, public life, and schools. Islam, of course, we know about that. Teaches that Jesus was not God in the flesh, that Jesus did not rise from the dead and that he did not atone for our sins. It teaches that salvation is partly based on one's works and partly. And I could go on and on and on. There's things out there, there's, there's false teachings out there that we need to be able to stand against and, and have a word against, you know, if, if we're confronted with that. And we do it, you know, always. You have to, we always speak the, we speak the truth in love, right? I mean, we got to love on them no matter what. It's like if I talk about we love the homosexual, we just don't love, we just don't love the sin. Well, we love the atheist. We love the the Jehovah Witness. We love the Mormons. We love all these different denominations. But we need to know when something's brought up that they bring, well, this is what we believe about your Jesus. Well, you need to say, well, I'm glad you told me about that. And then explain to them what, 
what you know about Jesus and what he did and what, you know, all the things that we can do that. And we're not going to get, none of us are going to be experts at the time, but I believe the Holy Spirit will quicken you and give you the right words when you need to speak them at that time. Number seven uh, reason why we need apologetics is the rise of immorality in America, in our society, and in Christianity. It's a serious issue because immoral society cannot last long. This is an old survey, but the Barna Research Group statistics show that 64% of adults and 83% of teenagers said that moral truth depends on the situation that you are in. In other words, there is no absolute moral truth. It just depends on the situation you're in. Hmm. Soak on that for a while. And 19% of the adult population, and I believe this has gone up tremendously. Um, actually, I think it's like more like 40% now, the most recent survey I heard, <coughs> of the adult population believes that the whole idea of sin is outdated. 51% believe that if a person, and, and the kicker to that one is, that's even in the church, not in just the world. You know, even people in the church think that sin, because how many pulpits now preach sin? Not very many. I know one, but I mean, I don't know the rest of them. But we, 51% believe that if a person is generally good or does enough good, he will earn a place in heaven. Is that right? Yep. I don't think so. <laughs> when a society's morals fail, the society fails. Just look at history and think of ancient Rome, ancient Greece. Uh, I could name several other things, you know, here, even in this world, the Watergate uh, mishaps, the White House things that happen up here, all these kind of things. Immorality seeps down into areas of, of culture, um, especially in our schools. Uh, when they when they do things like, you know, have these, well, we won't even get to, into it, but y'all know the danger of, of the games that kids play nowadays and the violence that's in these games, the, the way they treat women, the way they uh, uh, make heroes out of people that can run over somebody else or or depending on how many men, women they rape or how many people they kill or how many banks they rob or, or things like that. It's, it's, it's ridiculous about those kind of things. And, and our children are exposed to that and continue to be exposed to that. And, and so it's, 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 it's terrible. Uh, a, a publicist from Long Island says the game, the, these games, uh, some of them go to the point of just uh, luring men and, and young boys and things like that. And I believe that's part of our violence that we have nowadays is just going on killing sprees because they encourage that kind of stuff. They get it in their mind. They spend hours and hours upon hours playing those games. Not all games are violent, and, and, uh, but they are popular and they're training up our youth. Uh, and what they're training our youth up in is disturbing to say the least. And we're not, and when I say all this about that, we're not advocating that we need to have a theocratic social political rule administered by stern Christians wearing black and white outfits and tall hats. That's not what we're talking about. But we need to, you know, get our own house in order. We need to do the things that we can control. But these kind of social trends are disturbing, and they reflect a sufficient moral decline in America. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, 
and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.